Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Dynasty After Dark. I'm your host, Calvin Timms. You can find me over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin or on the Dynasty After Dark YouTube channel. And unfortunately, this week it is going to be a solo cast for me. Uh, Dale was pretty busy, so we weren't able to make it work. And in case you're wondering, yes, it is Wednesday when we're recording this. Um, I am coming off a massive allergy attack this whole last weekend so I just got my voice back today so yeah we just couldn't make it work so Dale will be back for the next one but this week it's going to be just me going over uh, last week's recap and a little bit of advice for when it's time to panic in your dynasty leagues and hit the reset button so before we get into that if you can just drop a comment drop drop a like drop a review for the YouTube channel uh, wherever you listen to the podcast Spotify iTunes anything like that anything you can do to help would just be appreciated helps with the algorithm and gets the podcast out there gets a few more people to listen to it so thank you guys for tuning in and with that said let's just jump right into it so thank you guys for joining me and last week uh, we covered the week two recap for the ERI Dynasty League, we covered a little bit of Trey Lance summary news, what the situation for him would be, and then we also gave our starts of the week. So going into last week, Dale did have the edge on starts of the week over me. He uh, finished week number one, two and one. I was one and two, so he had the one game advantage over me there. But last week was not the week for Dale. He actually started to struggle a little bit. Um, he recommended. Oh, it was Carson Wentz, Garrett Wilson, and Christian Kirk last week. Christian Kirk was just fine, but Carson Wentz and Garrett Wilson not really getting it done for fantasy last week. Um, a little bit of a not great situation for Garrett Wilson. I do believe he got banged up in that game, which kind of led to his lesser production. But yeah, after last week, though, I did catch up. I am now 2-1. and one. And we are both tied at three and three. My starts of last week were, if you remember, Kyle Pitts, the ever so bold of me to say Kyle Pitts, which I will count that as a hit, especially for a tight end. 14 fantasy points is pretty good. Um, Amari Cooper, who went off last Thursday, love to see that. And then Miles Sanders did not hit for me, which was surprising considering how well the Eagles did in their game. So a little bit of a downer there, but hoping to rebound with my three guys here this week. So before we get into it, my three starts of the week. Uh, first, we're going to start with Ramondre Stevenson, uh, running back for the New England Patriots. I think that the matchup is going to be very good. You know, I know a lot of people are worried about uh, you know losing Mac Jones for the next couple of weeks with the ankle sprain, but Green Bay has been getting gashed completely on the run uh, through on the ground through the run game and. Ramondre Stevenson is starting to take over in New England. We all know Damian Harris is going to be a free agent after this year. I really doubt that Bill Belichick is going to bring him back. But last week, Ramondre, five targets uh, through the air and then also 12 attempts, which was one more than Damian Harris had on the ground. So he's just so explosive. And when he gets the opportunities, he definitely delivers. Had a fumbling problem, you know, in the preseason, but and last year, but so far through three games, he's been able to keep it under control. So I think Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson is poised for a massive week against the Packers this week. They're going to be playing catch up, and I think that the opportunities are definitely going to be there. Um, my number two guy that I'm going to be recommending this week is going to be Rashad Bateman up against the Buffalo Bills, and I know that the matchup is not great. But Rashad Bateman, you know, he is the number one option and Buffalo's secondary is absolutely destroyed right now. They have like six guys that are injured. I think Micah Hyde, their their all-star safety, is out for the rest of the season. They are just getting beat up on the defensive side of the ball. And Rashad Bateman, I think that he's going to be able to feast because the Buffalo defensive front is massive. We all know that. They're very, very good. But they're going to have a tough time trying to contain the speed of Lamar Jackson, who has been playing at another level this season. Oh my goodness, Lamar Jackson is absolutely playing on fire right now. But I think between that 
uh, and and just the rushing attack. It's going to leave Rashad Bateman on a few favorable looks, and I think that he's going to be good enough to get it done like he did a couple weeks ago. And the biggest thing with uh, Rashad Bateman is he's only playing about two-thirds of snaps, 60 to 66% um, so far on the season. I think that's going to uptick here in the next couple weeks. He's just so necessary for them to win. When he's on and he's playing well, it's just such a difference maker. And the the craziest part for him is he's not doing a ton. He's not getting a, a ton of catches each and every week. But the first two weeks, he had those touchdowns. His yards per target, yards per catch numbers are absolutely enormous. His yards per catch are about 30 on average throughout the first three games of the season. So it doesn't take a ton for him to have a good play. And I am predicting that in this one because it's going to be a little bit of a shootout. Buffalo's defense is a little banged up. So there's definitely some opportunity. And I think people might be a little bit scared to play Rashad Bateman against Buffalo, given the name of that defense. But I am full guns ahead for Rashad Bateman. And then the last guy for me is going to be Antonio Gibson. Dallas is the opponent for Washington this week. And if you saw the game last week, Saquon Barkley just absolutely decimated them. Dallas does have a very good defense, but they, I don't think that they're going to be prepared for um, this Washington team. And I think that, that Antonio Gibson is going to absolutely eat them up in this game. Now, Saquon Barkley, you can argue, is definitely a special type of player. I get that. But if you go back a couple weeks ago, Joe Mixon was very efficient on the ground. Um, He had the pass-catching opportunity as well. So I just think that they're going to be able to kind of compete with Dallas in this game. And I do understand that you know, it's Dallas. They don't have Dak Prescott yet. They're kind of running this whole thing with Cooper Rush. They haven't been very good offensively. And I think that it's just going to leave more opportunity for running throughout the entire game because they're not going to be able to go up to a massive lead early. And it's just going to give more opportunities to Gibson. And he's explosive enough, similar to a Saquon Barkley, that he can pop off a few big runs and maximize that opportunity he's going to get this week. So, That is my three guys for this week. And if I look over at who Dale sent me, because he did send me his starts of the week, he's going with Jamal Williams, kind of an easy one, you know, the no DeAndre Swift probably this week against Seattle. Seattle's been getting gashed. You saw what Cordero Patterson was able to do to them just last week. So it's not a super bold take there, but Jamal Williams is going to be a locked-in stud if he's starting here. Um, he's got uh, Khalil Herbert, which is a pretty good start, in my opinion, up against the Giants. We saw what Dallas was able to do. This Giants defense is getting there. They're trying to turn a corner, but, you know, both of these teams are 2-1, and one, which is just absolutely wild to me. And the Chicago run game has just been working. It's been very, very good this whole season. It's just very unfortunate that their passing game has not been there at all. But Justin Fields, I mean, he's averaging, oh, what is it? Yeah, four yards per carry. He's at, He's got 95 yards through three games, which isn't a ton, but... It's a lot for a quarterback, and then you just look at what the the running backs have been able to do through three games. You know, David Montgomery already has almost 200 yards through three games. Khalil Herbert combined, and this is what these guys completely splitting, has 240 yards already on the ground. Uh, Three touchdowns for him. David Montgomery has no touchdowns yet on the season, but they've just been able to gash people on the ground. So I do like this quite a bit. Giants defense, definitely not there, like I just mentioned. So there's going to be some potential uh, upside for Khalil Herbert, and we saw what that ceiling can be for him last week. And then his last guy is going to be the London game, the good old Chris Olave, Ohio State. Homer here um, for him up against the Minnesota Vikings defense in London. And it's going to be an interesting one because the rumors today were that James Winston missed practice. So he might not be playing in this game. And then it would be Andy Dalton and or Taysom Hill does make me a little nervous. But Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry are both injured right now both possibly rumored to be able to miss this game. So if both those guys are out, that just leaves a massive 
opportunity floor for Chris Olave. And I do believe he's good enough that Andy Dalton or not, it's going to be um, able to cash in on that opportunity. So I do like that quite a bit. Uh, Chris Olave has been looking very good through the first couple of weeks here. So like that shout there. So we'll see how the rankings kind of go as we continue to go through the season. But that is our three start and sits for week number four. Let us know what your thoughts are over on YouTube or, again, wherever you listen to the podcast. All right, now with that out of the way, the next piece that I want to get to today before we finish with the recap of week three for the ERI Dynasty League, my home league that we've been covering so far uh, through three weeks here, is... When is it time to panic for your dynasty roster? So right now we're three weeks in going into week four and a lot of people have not been able to live up to expectations so far on season. A lot of teams out there are 0-3, 1-2 and and wondering what do I do? All these players that I thought were going to be really good, these Cole Komets that we thought were going to be very good this season are just not paying off, you know, and what do I do? Because my team is just not looking as as competent as, you know, the preseason hype kind of made it out to be. So what do I do with my team? When do I start to freak out? Do I throw in the towel after week four or do I just try and trade, go all in and make a run for it? So my biggest piece of advice would be, as of right now, to slow down, calm down. If you've started 0-3, don't freak out. I'm I'm 1-2, and 0-3 in a couple of leagues, you know, 2-0 in another league, 3-0 in another league. The, the whole thing with the first couple of weeks is we build all these narratives up in the offseason. Everybody has the best rosters on paper in the offseason, but, you know, once actual football starts to get played, you start to see the trends. You start to see the players that are being utilized and one week samples. Okay, week one, did they have a special game plan or, you know, did this player just not, wasn't able to get it done? Uh, We find out a little bit more in week two. Okay, everything completely flipped. Player X, you know, Justin Jefferson, really good in week one, 40 points. Okay, he had 18 points in week two and then week three, he had eight points. What do we do? Is, Is Justin Jefferson not being used? We got to slow down a little bit here. And then conversely, like you look at Amari Cooper in week number one, terrible week, terrible, terrible week. And week two, week three, back on the board. He's back on the menu. He got targeted uh, heavily in both of those weeks and, you know, was able to put up good fantasy scores in both of those weeks. Cam Akers is another, you know, he's another example of this. Week number one, he had five snaps total in the entire game. Week number two was closer to 50-50. Week number three, he out-touched the ball on Daryl Henderson in the same backfield. So things change. You just need to analyze how things are kind of going through the first couple weeks. And week four is the first week where I feel confident knowing which players and which defenses are good matchups, right? Because that's the other thing. All these changes, you know, everyone likes to talk about the offensive players. Oh, you know, Alvin Kamara, he's going to be terrible. Oh, he's going to be really good. You know, the back and forth is always on the offensive players. We rarely as a fantasy community tend to pay a ton of defensive, um, not like we don't pay much attention to the, to the defensive side of the ball, right? We know that, uh, that the Detroit Lions drafted Aiden Hutchinson number one overall or two overall, I guess. Um, and it's going to help the defensive line. But what else did they really do this offseason? You know, who else did they bring in? We don't really track that for all the different teams across the league. So it takes a couple of weeks to really see which defenses are bucking the trends and who's better than what we kind of expected uh, going into, you know, into the season. So, for example, a lot of people were kind of down. People were really high on Baltimore's defense. And through three weeks, Baltimore might have a bottom 10 defense in the NFL. It's really, really bad. Um, conversely, you know, Miami people weren't super high on their defense, but it's been playing very, very well. The Houston Texans, I know they're one of the worst teams in the NFL. They're Oh, two and one, but their defense has been playing pretty tough so far. So we get to see through the first couple of weeks, which defenses are actually, you know, a decent challenge and which ones are actually a little bit softer than what we thought going into the season. So we just need to take all that into account. Now, 
What I would do is week number four, five, six, this is the analyzing weeks. Set your best players. See if you can uh, maneuver the matchups a little bit better because, again, the first couple weeks, it's kind of a crapshoot. You don't really know in week one. You play your best players on paper, and either they produce or they don't. Week two, you kind of correct, and a lot of teams and players tend to overcorrect based on week one. You know, they we don't try and think through things logically all the time, but you overcorrect sometimes, and it costs you another win there. Week three, maybe you just got a lot unlucky. It happens in fantasy football. So week number four, five, and six, set your best lineups. Week six is the first week of buys this year. I think it's only two teams in that week. So it might be a little bit, maybe it's four teams, four teams, I think. Um, so it's it's going to be a little bit softer. And if after week six, you're 0-6 or, you know, 1-5, 2-4, that's when you really need to start analyzing your team for the next steps. And I'm going to be back here after week six and really talking about what the next steps are and if you need to start looking at at throwing in the towel rebuilding because like i said anything can happen through three weeks you could get unlucky you could get you know you just don't know which players to play i'm owing three in the league because i started uh cole Komet three straight weeks and he's basically goosed on me every single week week number one i started hunter henry week number two i started him again with cole Komet in the same league it's a tight end premium so i'm not crazy for starting two tight ends but um you know got gooses in basically both weeks and those guys really killed me. So, you know, and it just, it's, it's how it kind of goes. And week three didn't start Hunter Henry anymore, you know, still started cold commit. Cause I figured, um, that they would eventually try and get the passing game going for Chicago. I was wrong, but you just got to look at that. And I'm not going to be starting cold commit again until I see something from Chicago worth starting him. But you kind of take those lumps, you, you learn those lessons early in the season, and you just try not to continue those mistakes as you go forward. I'm not going to start Cole Komet for 17 weeks because he might have one breakout game, right? So we just got to make sure we're learning, paying attention to your players. You know, which defenses do you think are a little bit softer? Which defenses are a little bit harder? Pay attention to those matchups and, you know, really just think through things for a matchup and a a player evaluation standpoint for the next couple weeks convene again here in a few weeks and we'll go from there so um, don't freak out just yet don't sell the farm don't go all in you know if you if you have the opportunity to sell a couple guys a little bit cheaper you know sell guys a little bit high um, you know like Khalil Herbert maybe you sell him pretty high for a future first whatever you can get for him you know maybe consider doing that but at the same time if Dave Montgomery, he's had injury issues in the past. If he comes back and gets injured again, Khalil Herbert has looked very good. So, you know, you don't want to be selling somebody short term who could help you for the rest of the season. So I think it's a little early to freak out just yet. Not time to panic. So it is not time to panic yet to answer that question. But yeah, just kind of look through things and just be aware. That's the biggest uh, piece of advice I can give at this point in time. All right. So that said, I'm going to get a quick drink and then we'll be right back with the recap of week number three for the ERI Dynasty League. And if you can't tell, so I'm back, I did pause it there for a second. Um, My voice is starting to get a little rough, so it's not fully healed yet. So I'm trying to kind of go through this a little bit quicker than normal, Um, but we will see how long it goes before I might start taking a couple breaks so we'll see might get a little choppy here as we go through the video but gonna try and recap week number three here for the ERI Dynasty League and for my team specifically if we pick up where we were last week I was 0-2 and my matchup was against uh, Dan Brinsfield the great white hype he was uh 2-0, the most dominant-looking team we've ever seen in fantasy football. It's just absolutely disgusting. And he was my Week 3 matchup. And going into it, the projections were just absolutely crazy. I was projected 137 to his 171. Oh, my goodness. This was a one-quarterback league, guys. Ten-team, one-quarterback league. That's just crazy. The next highest projection on the week, the entire week, was 150. He was basically a full player ahead in projections. Well, the final score came down to it was not quite the uh, the banger that you know it was projected to be here, but the final score was 121.7 to 106, 
and I was the victor. Let's go. Celebration music. Um, I actually got the win over Dan last week. Puts me at one and two, him at two and one. And yeah, it was a great time. Um, Justin Fields absolutely delivered for me. Got me five points. But no, I got 121 points. It was just a very bad week for Dan. Um, going through his roster, you know, his players were not even that terrible. It's just none, none of them were elite like normal. Russell Wilson kind of disappointed. He's been disappointing all season so far. And yeah, it's just not a great situation for him. Jonathan Taylor got 12 points. Can't really complain about that. You know, <laughs> he outscored DeAndre Swift on the other side for me by five points there. Um, DeAndre Swift dealing with a little bit of injury issues right now. So there's that. Uh, Christian McCaffrey for Dan, 15 points. Again, can't really complain. The biggest complaint for Christian McCaffrey is why does he only have four targets? You know, he's one of your best pass catchers on his team. You know, that that's what made Christian McCaffrey so elite for so many years is he would average like eight targets a game why does he only have four right now come on get that up carolina stop being garbage uh but he outscored leonard Fournette for myself i really thought leonard Fournette would have a little bit more usage in the passing game only six targets five of six uh through the air for tampa i think that that they just really needed him to block a little bit more um they didn't they weren't able to utilize him as much as they wanted russell gage was basically the the go-to guy in this week um, Allen Robinson, 4.3 points, two of five. He had two just horrific drops. One of them for a wide open touchdown. Not great there. Uh, definitely got outproduced by his counterpart for Dan, 14 points for Stefan Diggs, seven for 74. Again, that's a solid week. You know, that's what CeeDee Lamb has been putting up the last couple weeks, but just not 40 points that we've been expecting from Diggs over the last few weeks. Uh, Cooper Cup. 16 points, not bad, not bad. Uh, even had a touchdown, 20-yard carry touchdown. Um, but, yeah, just not super great through the air. This one was a weird game. I did watch most of this game. The Rams got up to an early lead and uh, just kind of coasted on that. And they really were able to completely take away the passing game for a lot of the Rams the entire day. I don't know really what they did, but they definitely kept a lot of the pass catchers down for this team, uh, but C.D. Lamb for myself came through finally, eight for twelve for eighty-seven and a touchdown. Dropped another wide open touchdown, so he would have been he would have had a much better day if he would have caught that, but ultimately didn't wasn't able to bring it in and uh, still was able to outscore Cooper Cup. So I can't complain too much there. Kyle Pitts for myself had his good day, got that win there, my start of the week, but. It, Kyle Pitts is just so frustrating. Going into halftime, first quarter, he had four for 82 yards. Four catches for 82 yards in the first quarter. First half, four for 82. Game finish, five for 87. Like, what are you guys doing? Uh, they won the game against Seattle. So the Atlanta offense is doing very well. Through three weeks, they have 26, 27, and 27 points. They are averaging 27 points a week. They are doing very, very well offensively. Their defense is absolute trash, which is expected, but their offense is really good. This is the most frustrating part is they're doing all this without feeding Kyle Pitts. They're feeding Drake London. Drake London's been really good, but guys, how does he get one catch for five yards an entire three quarters? Get your crap together, man. Like, it's just so frustrating. If you can do one quarter of four catches for 82, I understand correlation of it. You can't just project that through a whole game. But there's no reason why Kyle Pitts cannot be averaging 150 yards a game. There's no reason. He's so talented. And you watch some of the 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 throws in this, like you watch the routes in this game for Kyle Pitts. He was open on like half of them that he didn't get a target. It's like, Mariota, all you got to do is throw the ball in his general direction. He's so big, and he has half a step on every player. It doesn't matter, but, oh, vent over. I will stop there, but outscored TJ Hawkinson for Dan. TJ got that BS touchdown. That saved his day, but TJ Hawkinson has been absolutely horrendous the last couple weeks. He might be a little bit better going forward with Amon Ra being injured but yeah tj hawkinson just not really what we we've 
really expected from him the last couple of years. Um, disappointing for sure. Then you get to the flexes here. Elijah Moore for myself, last minute switch. I had to make the call. Um, wasn't sure if Keenan Allen was going to end up playing this week. And he ultimately did not, so I'm glad I got that switched in there. Still would have won, even with a goose from Keenan Allen, but it would have been very close, and I would not have been feeling comfortable. But Elijah Moore outscored Justin Jefferson for Dan. Not going to say that happens very often. Four for 10 for 49 yards. I don't know really what happened. I wasn't able to watch a lot of this one, but I like that he had 10 targets. I don't like that he only had four catches on 10 targets. Not really sure what happened there. So, um, yeah, just uh, we'll see what happens when Zach Wilson comes back. I know Zach Wilson has the propensity to throw it down the field a little bit more. So I just don't really know what to, to expect from Elijah Moore in the next couple of weeks. But Justin Jefferson, three for six for 14. Detroit was able to completely erase him from this game. I I don't understand it. I watched most of this game, and I just still did not understand where Justin Jefferson was throughout the whole game. It was just weird. Um, Saquon Barkley for myself is my second flex there. Had a day. What Saquon is back. It feels so good. Just rooting for Saquon just feels good. It makes me happy to root for Saquon Barkley. Um, destroyed Tyreek Hill against Buffalo, two for 33. Kind of the nature of Tyreek. Waddle went off in this game. But yeah, it's it's very hard for both him and Waddle to go off. I know that they did it last week against Baltimore, but the Baltimore defense, again, looking for those trends, have not been very good throughout this season. So I think that that's something to keep in mind going forward, that maybe the Baltimore defense that we, we've grown accustomed to in our brains, thinking is always usually pretty elite, is not so good this year. It's a wash on the kickers, and then I outscored his defense by six points. Started the Carolina Panthers, had the second-best defense on the bench. Suck it, Dan. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles picked them up for a few fab dollars. Can't complain about that. You know, I got them for $10 off of waivers. Can't complain. Philadelphia's defense does look very, very good uh, throughout this year. Averaging, like, I don't even know, off the top of my head, 11 points. Pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. All right. So then you look at the benches, though, and I will say, Dan, what an idiot. He had Khalil Herbert on his bench, James Robinson on his bench over... I mean, you could have started Khalil Herbert over Jonathan Taylor. What a dummy. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, Zeke, it's crazy. Out of nowhere, last week we talked about how Dan really didn't have a ton of depth at running back. And then you look at his running backs on his bench. All of them had a touchdown or two for Chase Edmonds. It's just crazy. Zeke Elliott, 14 and a half. Uh, Chase Edmonds, 16 points with the two touchdowns. Cam Akers had 10 points with the uh, the touchdown for him. He also lost fumble, so I think he would have been around 12, 13 points. 22 points for James Robinson. Cleo Herbert, 32 points. Uh, so it's just really out of nowhere. It seems like he finally has a ton of, of um, running backs here. But you can't complain too much there. Uh, it's a good problem to have, especially with those wide receivers up at the top. Myself, I really didn't make too many mistakes. You know, Jimmy Garoppolo over Justin Fields would have been the better start, but the two picks really kind of threw it off for Justin Fields. I guess Jimmy Garoppolo had the fumble loss and the interception. It's just, yeah, Fields' passing work has not been at all good at, in any measure. Um, but the only other player that I could have started that would have been a better upgrade for myself would have been Devontae Parker. Wouldn't have projected that, you know, 5 of 10 for 156 yards. Man, that's just not sustainable week to week. So um, ultimately, I did get the win. Managed to get my first win on the season over Dan. Can't complain there. Um, super happy there. But I do feel like it was a little, I feel hollow because his team just completely crapped the bed compared to their potential. Um, you know, if that's what they were doing every single week, I'd be super happy because it means Dan wouldn't be such a monster. But uh, alas, that is not the case. All right, now we go to the next matchup. This one was a heavy hitter matchup. Both teams were 2-0 going into the week. And Rob versus James. Um, Laces out versus Amon Mission. Both of these guys, like I said, undefeated. And the projections were 138 for James, 124 for Rob. And just like the projections went, 
James got the victory, 103 to 97. So it was pretty close ultimately. Uh, but Justin Herbert wasn't able to get it done against Jacksonville. Got outscored by Patrick Mahomes for James. Uh, running back wise, it was about a wash. Aaron Jones was terrible against Tampa. Tampa's defense looks really good. Um, Clyde Edwards Alaire got another touchdown, so you love to see that. But he had seven carries for zero yards, five catches, which is good uh, for 39 there. So you like to see that a little bit more. But yeah. Definitely the the touchdown saved him there. But Tony Pollard on the other side, 13 for 105, pretty good. Uh, not a ton of usage through the air that we've kind of expected from Tony Pollard the last couple of weeks. I don't know if that's more of a Dak, like a Cooper Rush thing, but he did have seven targets in week two against Cincinnati. I don't know where those targets were in this one. Um, just kind of weird there. Daryl Henderson, he's gotten supplanted by Cam Akers. I know K-Makers had the fumble, so they might kind of give Henderson a little bit more usage in this upcoming game. But, yeah, it's just K-Makers is the dude, man. it seems like. They've never liked Daryl Henderson. It's been something that we've said for years and years and years, and everyone always looks at, oh, well, K-Makers is recovering from an injury, so, you know, they're using Daryl Henderson. It's got to be the guy. You know, they said he was the guy, so he's going to be the guy. But he's never the guy. He's never the guy. That's the problem. Um, Jamar Chase versus Drake London. Drake London outscored him by two points. Not too bad there. Jamar Chase has been a little bit down the last couple weeks. You know, he had that big week one, but only 10 last week, 12 this week. Kind of disappointing there. Amon Ross St. Brown outscored Michael Thomas, so there's that as well. And Tyler Higby outscored Pat Fryerman. So those are all wins for Rob there, but... Uh, he even had DK Metcalf outscore Deontay Johnson, but ultimately the biggest difference was those running backs, the the Patrick Mahomes difference over Justin Herbert, and then defenses. This is why I hate them. Seven point swing, seven points. If we didn't have defenses, Rob would have won this game. So another argument there for why we should get rid of defenses. But defense for for James. New Orleans got five points, minus two for Jack or for the Chargers against Jacksonville. Um, yeah, it's just it's so dumb. Defenses are garbage, but whatever. Um, kickers and defenses, get them out of here. But you look at the benches, and yeah, it just Trevor Lawrence went off in this game. I'd probably, if I'm Rob, think about starting him the next couple of weeks just because Justin Herbert injured is just not the same. Um, it kind of stinks. Jamal Williams went off for for James on his bench. Good news for him is he'll have a chance to redeem that this upcoming week with with Swift being out possibly. Um, other guys that went off, Zay Jones for Rob, I wouldn't have probably started him. Greg Dorch is another guy. Greg Dorch is someone that's very interesting. He, he's been producing the last couple of weeks now. I think there's a timer on this. I think he's got three weeks left until his timer runs out. But against Carolina this week, you know, his targets have been nine in week one, four in week two, but he had a touchdown, which saved his week there, and 10 targets last week. And again, they were behind pretty much the entire game. Carolina's a little bit different. Their defense is pretty good, but yeah, it's just, it's somebody that's interesting to watch. Marquise Hollywood Brown, his Teammate was on the bench for for James here. That's a big miss on the week. Oh, that, that one hurts a little bit. 29 points, 17 targets, 14 catches in a PPR league. That's 14 points just in catches. And then you had the 140 on top of that. Our league gives out an extra point over 100 yards. But, yeah, big miss on that one, but can't complain too much. You know, his starters, I don't blame him whatsoever. Garrett Wilson, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, pretty good names there. So ultimately, James gets out, gets the victory, goes to 3-0. Rob is now at 2-1, still doing pretty good. Bad week. He had, he was by the uh, the worst manager on the week. So how's that feel, Rob? You know, you, you talk a little out of crap about who's the, the worst manager two weeks in a row because I'm trying to figure out which players to start. And, uh, and yeah, now, now how's it feel, huh? Huh? Yeah, rub it in a little more. So... Rob is the biggest, he's the lowest scorer and the worst worst manager, but uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Now, the next matchup was a little bit more interesting. Um, really close here, really, really close. And this was B, Braden Heinrich, who was also 2-0 going into last week. 
against Keelan rushing. Um, Keelan was 0-2, so it was kind of a underdog story here. Projection-wise, Braden was projected to absolutely murder Keelan, 147 to 124, and Keelan got the victory. So he pulled the upset here, which is huge for him. Lamar Jackson has been just on an absolute tear. Outscored Joe Burrow for Braden by 17 points, which is more quarterback points than I've gotten in like four years. So, yeah, that's that's just wild. I can't even imagine what 40 points from a quarterback would feel like. Um, Cordero Patterson absolutely blew out Joe Mixon for Braden. Cordero Patterson coming from the dead. Jeff Wilson outscoring Kareem Hunt, which was kind of weird. Um, in that game, you know, cream hunt was so close to scoring touchdown, but yeah, wasn't able to get it done. So would have switched that up a little bit there, but, um, this was a close one again. I don't know if I said it or not, but 158 to 152. So that touchdown that cream hunt did not get would have won the week for Braden, but yeah, it didn't get there. Um, AJ Brown outscoring Michael Pittman for, for Keelan. Um, you got, uh, Christian Kirk outscoring Terry McLaurin for Braden. So there's a win there. Christian Kirk has been very good. Six for 72. Christian Kirk through three weeks, man, has been on fire. And I don't know if he's going to be able to continue this the whole year, but you'll love to see that. They paid him a ton of money to bring him down here. And through three weeks, 12 targets, six targets, nine targets. He's got six catches in each week um, with you know, 70 plus yards, a hundred yards in week one on the, those six catches, two touchdowns last week, one touchdown this week. I have a feeling this week's going to be a little bit rough for him against Philly, but again, you got Houston next week, Indy, the giants, Denver. It's a good slate of matchups for Christian Kirk. And he's really been able to produce pretty well on the season. Um, Travis Kelsey did outperform Zach Ertz for Braden there. Uh, but then flip side in the flexes, uh, Mark Andrews is a flex. That's so crazy to me that you can just flex Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews on one team in a non-tight end premium. That's how good these guys are. Uh, but he destroyed Devin Duvernay for Braden there, uh, outscored him by 18 points. But then Tyler Lockett for Keelan was able to upset Austin Eckler there. And then, yeah. The kicker for Braden was able to salvage a decent amount of points there, 14 to um, 3 for Keelan. And again, another reason to get rid of kickers. They're just so boring. Like, whatever, whatever. Miami beat Buffalo. Kicker puts up three points. Arizona, Matt Prater loses. They lose to the Rams, but because he kicks four field goals, he scores 15 points and destroys, like he gets a whole player's worth of points because they kick four field, whatever. Yeah, okay. Um, looking at the benches here, though, you know, for Braden, Devin Singletary went off. Don't really blame him. Hard to start Devin Singletary right now over Kareem Hunt or Joe Mixon. Um, do like that, though. Juju Smith-Schuster had a decent week. He had that one run that just saved his saved his whole week Romeo Dubs here's the one that's kind of interesting going forward eight for eight for 74 yards the dude is a catch machine um he is the sixth round pick fifth round pick from uh for the Green Bay Packers if most people don't know he is a true wide receiver wide receiver wearing number 87 which I love to see that I'm so tired of these wide receivers wearing like single digits or you know like I don't know, team number jerseys. Like, get that crap out of here. Give me a wide receiver that wears 87 or 89. Those are my dudes. I like those guys. Um, Chris Olave on his bench. That's a big miss there. Chris Olave's been looking real good. 13 targets this week and last week. The dude is just getting targeted all over um, the last couple weeks, and I think it's going to continue based on Dale's recommendation for this week as well. Uh, So a couple guys there, but ultimately didn't pick too poorly or starters. Uh, Tyler Conklin for Keelan on the bench. Don't really blame him for that one over Zach Ertz. Should have been a little bit better, but that was pretty much the only guy that really went off on his bench. So not a bad performance and a good upset win for Keelan there. Puts Keelan again, one and two. Tied with myself. I think he's actually outscoring me for the year, so he's above me. Um, if I look at the standings, yeah, he's, he's 15 points ahead of me, so he's ahead of me in the rankings, but 
We'll see how that goes. It's a long season. We got a lot of time. Again, not time to panic just yet. Um, the next matchup here, the funny one, I guess we'll talk about this one. The next two are kind of blowouts. Um, we got Rick who sold out again. I'm going to remind everybody this every single week. Uh, Rick sold out to win this year. Got Tom Brady. He sold out to get, uh, who was it? Gerald Everett and Mike Evans, who was suspended this week, ironically enough. Um, and he got something else, but he sold, he basically gave up both of his first for the next couple of years. So he is very much in a win now mode and oh goodness, this is just rough to watch. Just looking through this roster. And then you got on the other side, you got the great rebuild. That's his name, the great rebuild. He's been rebuilding for five years now. Uh, hasn't been able to get through the other side of it yet. Maybe, maybe this year's the year, but probably not. Uh, but Ken, he was able to get the upset over Rick, who sold out to win this year, and he's now 0-3. You hate to see it, but you kind of love to see it. You know what I'm saying? So Ken ultimately gets the win. He put up 135-117, to 117, moves to 1-2, and two, tied with myself, and hilariously enough, he's also ahead of me on the scoreboard because he's outscored me through three weeks. My team has just been that bad through three weeks. So there's that much, but looking at the starters, you know, this isn't a super impactful one, but Brady did outscore Matt Stafford. So there's that Najee outscored Miles Sanders, big loss for me. There was expected so much more for a Miles Sanders this week. Uh, 15 for 46. What was that? What was that? Is Washington finally getting their defense together? Who knows? Brees Hall versus Dalvin Cook was a win for Ken. Um, Devonta Smith, he lost with Devonta Smith. That's just crazy. Outscored Adam Thielen by 17 points there. 13 points, 13 points. I can't do math. Uh, Noah Brown lost to Jalen Waddle for Ken. So there's some of the points back there. The biggest one, and this is a little bit of unfortunate, you know, for Rick here, but Alan Lazard outscored David Montgomery 14 to 1. Uh, Montgomery got injured very early in that game. And then the second biggest upset here was the Russell Gage over Javante Williams. Russell Gage, 12 of 13 for 87 and a touchdown. Even lost a fumble. So he had more points that he could have had. Uh, We lose two points in this league for fumbles. So 27 points for Russell Gage compared to Javante Williams, 9. Javante and the, the Denver Broncos are just looking terrible. Don't really know what to do with that, but... Yeah, they're kind of unplayable almost at this point. Almost. It it stinks. But then the funny part is you look at the bench. So you started Tom Brady, which I don't know why you would have started Tom Brady with no weapons against Green Bay when you had someone like uh, Ryan Tannehill against Vegas on your bench. You also had Derek Carr against Ryan Tannehill's Tennessee Titans on your bench. Like, either one of those would have been a better pick. I mean... Uh, whatever. Uh, but then on the flip side, Ken started Matt Stafford over someone like Gino and Tua. Little interesting. He's got Zach Wilson back this upcoming week, so that'll be interesting to see if he goes there. Um, running back wise, Ramonde, Ramondre Stevenson on the bench for Rick. My start of the week this upcoming week. Keep that in mind. Tyler Boyd went off for him as well. Can't really blame him for that. And he also has Matt Collins. I think he got him off waivers this week. Yes, he did just yesterday. So um, didn't have him at the time. So can't fault him for that. But then on the other side for for Ken's team, Chenault had that big breakout run. And then Jelani Woods had the two touchdowns. But other than that, K.J. Osborne was the only one that he, he, I guess, he missed on there. But ultimately, a pretty good week for Ken. He got the the upset victory. Very high score. He was the uh, n- number, no, sorry, uh, Keelan was the number one scorer on the week. Ken was very high. I think he was number three on the week. So congratulations to Ken for that. Now, the last matchup here is some, one that was a little bit more impactful no punt intended, Eric versus Hot Chub Time Machine, Ryan. Uh, Ryan coming off that loss in week number two. I think he played, who was it? Dan. Yeah, Dan just absolutely smoked him in week number two here. And Ryan was trying to get redemption. Eric was one and one at the time as well. Both of these guys have playoff aspirations. And Ryan ultimately got the victory. He was projected 
higher and ultimately just like the projections he finished about 16 points ahead of Eric there so you know came down to to roughly what it was expected to be a few less points in the projections but same margin of victory I guess there so um looking at the rosters heavy hitter matchup here 0.1 difference from the quarterbacks Josh Allen versus Jalen Hurts 29 points from each again I don't even know what that feels like. I, I'm, I'm averaging like six points a week out here, so that's crazy. I can't even picture what that would be on my team. Uh, Derrick Henry destroyed James Conner. I thought James Conner was going to be a little bit better, to be honest with you. I know the Rams are tough, but, yeah, that was just an absolute whoop in there. Derrick Henry looks like he's finally kind of getting back in the swing of things. Nick Chubb versus Antonio Gibson. Chubb was the victor there. He had a good week against the Steelers. In week one on Thursday football last week. Amari Cooper, though, on the flip side for for Eric, again, versus Devontae Adams, not really something I would project to be the big outscorer, but Mac Hollins going off for the Raiders was something that nobody saw coming, so don't really fault him too much for that. Debo outscored Mike Williams for Eric. Uh, well, Debo for Ryan, Mike Williams for Eric. Um, one catch for 15 yards and a touchdown for Mike Williams, like, the the Chargers just played terribly against this Jacksonville defense. Um, George Kittle against Darren Waller was pretty much a wash, but win, I guess, for George Kittle. One extra catch for six extra yards. Yay. Um, Cortland Sutton outscored Brandon Ayuk. Brandon Ayuk is looking a little bit better. He did have the touchdown. Eight targets. That's kind of nice to see there. But Cortland Sutton, eight for ten. Definitely seems to be Russ's go-to guy in the passing game. Now, here's the one that is super disappointing. These Both of these guys, I don't know what's going on so far this year. DJ Moore for Ryan, only two and a half points, two carries for 13 yards, one catch, six targets for two yards. Man, DJ Moore is just not the guy that we want him to be. And I know everyone's going to say it's quarterback, but at some point you got you to gotta be able to break out a little bit, man. I mean... There's so many wide receivers that are able to produce with bad quarterbacks that eventually some of this falls on DJ Moore. And yeah, it's just it's it's unfortunate. Then on the flip side, Brandon Cooks for Eric did outscore DJ Moore, but barely. Brandon Cooks has been so disappointing so far through this season. I was just looking at his his stats. It's just so depressing. Like I don't know where this came from. But 12 targets, 10 targets, 7 targets. He's got 29 targets through three weeks. That is amazing. That's averaging 10 a, 10 a game. But he's got 13 catches on 30 targets. Like, what is going on here? Normally, he's a lot better, but he's just not been able to bring in a lot of the balls here the last couple of weeks. So um, that's really hurting Brandon Cook's value. Uh, but maybe he'll bounce back here in the next couple of weeks. Then again, Matt Gay versus Tyler Bass. Big win there for Eric, but who cares? It's kicker. Um you're looking at the benches here. Josh Jacobs did have a good week this week. 13 for 66, 5 of 6 through the air. Do like to see that. Um, not sure if that can continue. Kirk Cousins had a good week, but you're never starting Kirk Cousins over Josh Allen. So there's that. Um, Kyler, he definitely is not able to produce up to Jalen Hurts at this point in time. Alvin Kamara, this one is the most disappointing one, especially for Ryan. He's got to be so upset. He traded... Trevor Lawrence, two seconds in this last year's draft class and a first-round pick for Alvin Kamara. Like, oh my goodness, that just looks so bad now on paper considering what Alvin Kamara has done through through three weeks. He didn't play in week two, and week one and week three, he's got an average of 7.4 points. So, yeah, not what you like to see there. Um, A.J. Dillon, we did make that trade. He was not anything at this point in time, which was good to see. Um, like to see that, you know, haven't gotten anything out of Dak, so I guess he's got the win there. But hopefully Dak will be back. You know, he just got the stitches out of his thumb today. So uh, the rumors are he's practicing this week. I don't know. I've heard mixed reports, I guess. But um, hopefully he'll be back soon and he'll be able to put up some points. But Damian Pierce was able to go off in this game. 18 points for him on Ryan's bench, but again, I don't really blame him. Isaiah McKenzie on Ryan's bench as well. Great start there. I like Isaiah McKenzie, but you know, as Gabe Davis, 
you got to just kind of roll with Gabe Davis. I think Isaiah McKenzie gets to eat a little bit more just because Davis is still recovering from the ankle issue from week number two. So uh, this week will be a little more telling. And yeah, we'll see if he is able to garner the nine targets that he had in week number three here going forward. David Njoku, this is the guy um, who was very interesting. We saw what he did last week on Thursday Night Football. Massive blow up on Ryan's bench, but yeah, it's tough to trust that. You know, 10 targets, he's not been able to do that in his whole career, basically. Uh, but through three weeks, one target in week one, five in week two, 10 in week three. If these trends continue, that's like 20 targets against Atlanta this week. So probably should start him, but no, it's just, it's tough to trust him there. Um, but then on the other side, for the flip side, Eric's team, again, Josh Jacobs is really the only guy that had a good performance. Cincinnati Bengals on the bench, but over the Baltimore defense, yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, not. He, he started the best guys for the most part. You know, he could have gotten maybe a few extra points, but I don't think it would have made a 15-point gap there. So um, good try by Eric. Puts him again, you know, he wasn't able to get the win. Puts him at 1-2, and two, tied with myself. I am at the lowest of this tier of 1-2s, and twos, which is depressing because I just have not been able to get points. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if I can get a quarterback eventually, and then maybe I can have a chance. But... Yeah, the standings as we go into week number four here, James is alone at the top at 3-0. Dan, after losing to myself, you know, what a big loser, didn't even start James Robinson on his bench over Jonathan Taylor, idiot. Uh, he's at number two at 2-1 two and one with a whopping 500 points, 60 ahead of the next team, even though he lost this week. Guys, so ridiculous. It's disgusting. Uh, Braden is tied for third at 2-1. and one. Uh, Ryan at fourth at two and one, and then Rob at fifth at two and one. That's the last of those guys. And we got five guys here, one and two. Keelan is in sixth place. Uh, Eric is in seventh place. The great rebuild Ken is in eighth place. Myself in ninth place. Hopefully we can rally here through the next couple of weeks. And then Rick is in 10th place. And again, he sold out to win this year. So ugh, you hate to see it. You hate to love to see it. But that is the end of this episode. Let me know what your thoughts are. Again, I like doing these recaps. And Dale will be back next week. So make sure you're following myself over on Twitter at TDC underscore Calvin. Him at Dynasty underscore Dale. And any questions you might have for your rosters as we're starting to go through this. And again, don't take this one to heart. You know, I know I'm one and two. I'm sharing this with you guys. You know, I'm giving you the, the confidence here. But don't take this as I don't know what I'm doing. I just, I have, I have so much depth that I, it's hard to start the right guys. I was the worst manager in week one and two because I didn't start the right guys. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying to win here. But, uh, no, I think if, um, if you have any questions, let us know over on Twitter on the YouTube channel. Again, if you, if you could just drop a like, a uh, subscription, anything you could, a comment just to help with the video, that would be truly appreciated. But until then, Next time, thank you guys again for listening and good night.